This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast, so while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. If you had to choose the best social media platform for doing business, surely it would be LinkedIn. My guest today is Alec Peruz, CEO of Linkfluencer.com, which Forbes magazine called Australia's leading LinkedIn training company. The business has educated over 18,000 people in 30 countries across 55 different industries. He founded the business in early 2014 with the aim to change and transform social selling on LinkedIn, as well as helping companies generate more leads, close more deals, and stay relevant within their industry. Alex is the host of Ask Linkfluencer Show, which of course can be viewed on LinkedIn. He's also an in-demand speaker and a regular contributor to scores of business media outlets such as the Huffington Post. Linkfluencer was recently rated by Antel Magazine as one of the top 100 most innovative companies and won the People's Choice Awards. It's no wonder then that I'm keen to learn more from Alex about the politics of LinkedIn. Welcome, Alex. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. So let's get stuck into it. So how did you come across LinkedIn? Can you think back to the years years ago and perhaps you yeah. know you kind of went, <laughs> what's this LinkedIn and how can I use it? Give us your first impressions of LinkedIn when you when you came to use it. Uh, yeah, so at that point in my business journey, I'd failed in my first four businesses, sold the next two successfully, and I had just started a business advisory firm. And I was looking to get build up my personal brand because there was a lot of talk around personal branding and the importance of it. And so I went to you know a few PR agencies, and after the fourth meeting, I said, you know, surely it's got to be a better way to connect and build relationships. So funnily enough, I was driving home one night, got an email from a friend of mine which said 94.2% of journalists and editors are on LinkedIn. So uh, I'm a massive advocate for just execution. So I went home that night, started connecting with a few journalists here and there. And literally within three months, we had a network of over 330 contacts in the media, um, you know, ranging from Inc., Forbes, Fortune Magazine, etc. And then um, using the system that we now teach, I got featured in 50 media publications, never sent out a press release. And then that really started my journey. I saw LinkedIn was really powerful in terms of generating media. And then I used it successfully to build my advisory firm by connecting with accountants, building partnerships, as well as generating leads one-on-one. And then the advisory turned into LinkFluencer because we held monthly um sessions uh, where it's like half day or full day sessions and then we sold our advisory package on the back end. And then a lot of the people were actually asking us more about LinkedIn and how we managed to use it successfully more than our advisory service. So um, the advisory firm turned into LinkFluencer and that's where our mission was born. That's incredible. And do you remember how long ago that was? Was that sort of five years ago or longer? Probably probably eight years ago now. Excellent. Yeah, that's interesting, your approach. So my background is I was a journalist and I've worked in communications and PR and had an agency prior to my current business. And 
a lot of people wouldn't necessarily use it to approach journalists because they would think, well, that's something you do the traditional way, like the media release or getting an agency. Mm. So it's very fascinating that you kind of took that that approach because I think that's a quite unusual, but hats off to you because it worked. So it's all yep. about trying things. And I think that's entrepreneurial spirit, which I think LinkedIn is really powerful for. I'd love to ask mm. you about starting your training business. And I know that you've had mm. a big entrepreneurial journey. I, I did read that you've always been a bit of an entrepreneur and even as a teenager, you were fascinated by yeah. the idea of business. So take us briefly through that journey from that first, you know, that first business idea or that spark of entrepreneurialism and how that led you to where you are now. Yeah, so uh, in, in high school, I was never very good academically. I, I think the highest score I got in English was 48%. I ran home to my mum and told her how proud I was of myself and she put her uh, head down in shame and walked away. 48% was pretty good for me considering I used to get in the 20s and 30s. So academically, I wasn't very good, but I always had... I always knew, I don't know what it was, but from an early age, I just knew that I wasn't here to just live an ordinary life, you know, go get a job, pay off a house, all that sort of stuff. So I thought at the age of 13, our school was actually running a competition for the kid who raised the most amount of uh, money for charity would win this Atari. Now, I had been harassing my parents for six months to get me an Atari and we just couldn't afford one. So this was my chance to get one and I, I managed to do it. I raised the most money for charity um, by going to all the local Franklins. Um, I don't know if they're still around. Are they still around, Franklins? In- I'm not sure, but even the fact you said Atari gives me the idea of your vintage, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I feel old now. So, yeah, so uh, I went to all the Franklins. Like It's like I think they got bought out by Audi and I convinced all the managers to give me all the chocolates that were going out of date over the next three to four weeks and then I went and sold that at school as well as running just a very small sort of door-to-door sales company where I had kids selling it for me. And so that sparked my entrepreneurial journey. And then at age 22, I started my first real business, um, didn't do very well and lost lost a fair bit of money in property. And then the second business, uh, we did extremely well within the first year, but then I got ripped off by my business partner, um, basically drained the funds. And so then the next two businesses were real bad as well. Close to a million dollars I lost within first four years in those first four businesses. And then I got a mentor on board because meaning of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And so I knew I had the passion, I had the energy and attitude, just lacked the skills. And so I worked with him for three months and then I launched my fifth business when I felt I was ready. And that was a daughter of sales company in Wollongong and I managed to go from just me and the founder with $3,000 to 45 staff within about a 12 to 16 month bracket. Uh, and sold that off, started a car inspection company, um, did well in that and sold that in Wollongong. And then that's when I started advisory firm. That's an incredible journey. And I love how candid you are about the failures you've had because a lot of people, you know, it's that iceberg thing with entrepreneurs where it's kind of like people just see all the success and underneath all the sacrifice, the loss, the pain, you know, Mm. the self-doubt and all of that. So I think, you know, hats off to you for being so candid about that. And where you are now, it sounds like you're in a really good place and obviously the business is doing very well. What kind mm. of clients do you work with these days? Who do you attract with Linkfluencer? We mainly work with entrepreneurs or business owners who run companies with employee size of 1 to 10 or 11 to 50. Um, generally, this s- small business bracket. Um, 
people who understand the world has changed are looking to build their influence and business they're on linkedin have absolutely no clue how to leverage it and are looking to you know grow their business through that avenue so that that that's really it we don't we don't really have a specific industry anyone who is b2b is usually our target market um we've got you know, we've educated 18,000 people in 55 different industries. Uh, so it, uh, it's not industry-based. It's just really if you're B2B and you're struggling to generate leads consistently, um, that's really our our sweet spot. And you, and you say that obviously the industries will vary. So that could be people like other consultants. It could be, I guess, people yeah. who have tangible bricks and mortar stores, I imagine, as well as the online world. I mean, is it kind of really just for people who work in that more service space or does it help if you've got sort of products and services as well? Yeah, ge- uh, yeah, it depends. Usually, a lot of our clients are service-based, um, but we do have some clients who, for example, have uh, products because there's three ways you can leverage LinkedIn. Um, generating media exposure by connecting with journalists and editors, creating partnerships. So, you know, where are your clients going before, during, and after your service, and then finding those partners and getting them to push it out to their audience, whether it be hundreds of clients with their accounting firms or thousands if you find an influencer that's got a pretty good community. And then there's obviously one-on-one lead gen. So B2C companies can leverage two out of those three strategies, being the partnerships and media, but they can't leverage the one-on-one lead gen. So um, we do have B2C clients that leverage those two approaches, but mainly it's B2B that are service-based. And then there are B2B clients who have products, um, whether that be SaaS products or something else. So just, yeah, it just really depends. Interesting. How do you actually train them? I mean, I imagine that you're not necessarily, you're not doing, you're doing one to many perhaps, and you're not necessarily seeing all these people face to face. The world has changed. So mm. how do you actually train people remotely? I'm assuming that's how it works. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely evolved. So our company started with just an online training program where people paid to access our, um, we have a unique three-step approach on how to actually leverage LinkedIn. So people, we would run webinars, seminars, et cetera, and people would get access to the online program, self-paid, they go through it. Now, what we realized over time is that, and I've never been a fan of being in business for the sake of just selling stuff. I actually want to see people implement and um, get results. So we realized about a year and a half ago that, you know, only 30% of um, people who were buying into our program were actually completing it and doing something about it, which is, you know, relatively high when you look at the landscape of the online, the online program, uh, online programs that other people are running. But uh, I wasn't happy with it because, you know, the other 70% they are just paying for a product they're not using. So, we launched a group called the Elite Mastermind Group where we essentially ran events, um, you know, we provided a, a community and we gave them back in support to push them through, um, you know, some of the challenges they go through and make sure that they've got that ongoing support to actually execute. And what we realized is that once people have the support, they've got the community um, and they feel that, you know, someone's always there to help them, they're more likely to implement. So that that particular um, program, just over the past 16 months, have, that collectively as a group, they've done $1.4 million in additional revenue. So um, what we do now is we've got an influencer, uh, a program called the Influencers where that people get an action plan. So you start, you go, okay, I don't even know 
where the hell to start with LinkedIn. So we give people an action plan. When they get stuck, they give us a phone, um, they, they give us a call or send us an email. Um, we run events and then we have a community because um, without that, you know, you're just selling online programs really. Absolutely. And I think you're right. People love that idea of an online community because that's how we do business and that's how we, I guess, keep accountable, which I think is mm. a big part of what you're going to do. If you're going to do these programs, you have to have some some outcomes as well. So how do you define social selling? I mean, what's your definition of that and how is that different to other forms of traditional business development and, and lead generation or is it not? Um, I think so there's obviously many different definitions. For me, social selling is about finding your target market online. Um, first and foremost, before you even find them, you've got to know who your target market is. You've got to make sure that the message that you're putting in front of them is something that one is, uh, first and foremost, is a need. And second of all, um, you've got a good solution backed up with great customer service. So, that's the foundational part that a lot of people just miss and um, they get too excited about getting in front of their clients um, and then they don't back it up. So, um, I think foundational stuff to me is so so important before you even start connecting with that target market. Now, once you do, to me, social selling is finding your target market online, um, engaging and building a relationship with them on whatever platform uh, they're on online and then taking those conversations offline into your normal sales process. So, for example, um, what we do is we, we leverage LinkedIn, we leverage partners and uh, we have a digital free digital guide and training program. We then, what we do from there is people download it and then we have like a 20-minute implementation call. So, basically, people, um, instead of just downloading something, we actually have one of our staff jump on the phone and show you how you can implement it within your business. And then from there, conversations open up about our program. So, I think social selling by itself um, without a proven sales process and a way to get someone off Instagram or off Facebook or, um, you know, LinkedIn, um, without that process of taking someone from that platform into your sales process and the connection between those two is really a good online sales funnel that is as automated as possible, but at the same time, there's a human element to it because um, we live in a world where everyone's just trying to automate stuff and no one wants to talk to one another. Um, so, I think automate- I totally agree. I'm all about the talking. I think that's also a generational thing, but I do believe that those multiple touch points, is which, which is what I'm hearing, mm. is actually how you engage really with people, like just connecting online and we've all experienced it in other social media platforms where you don't really have a connection. If yeah. You wouldn't know that person if you met them in the street. You don't know what they're about. You don't know what makes them tick. You don't know their values. I mean, all those things you can't necessarily get from just connecting online. Yeah, 100%. And the biggest thing around social selling, I think the biggest thing in business in general is like, and this will seem obvious when I say it, but I, I'm dumbfounded how many people uh, don't actually come from this space and there's if there's one word to sum up whether you'll be successful in business or not is actually caring caring about you know the product you put out there caring about the content that you distribute making sure like I would 
I've got one motto in life and that is everything I put my name to has to be excellent. So this interview has to be excellent. The content, any piece of content we put out, if it's not excellent, we don't put it out. If if it's a product that we develop, has to be excellent. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short because they get into business, they watch all these success stories, which, you know, most of the time the stories don't actually explain the, the path and the process people have gone to. People buy into... Um, these young entrepreneurs or any entrepreneur that, you know, they buy into this story that, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to build a business to make money and live the high life and all that sort of stuff. And there's no care factor. And I think if you don't have that long term, you won't succeed. And I, I'm saying this because the reason why I lost all that money is the first four years, I just wanted to make money. I didn't even care about the products I developed. I just thought I'm going to create this product. I'm I'm a good salesperson, so I'm just going to go out there and sell it. And uh, I quickly realized that that's not really a proven strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's great, great advice having, you know, obviously been through the journey you have. So mm. getting back to the LinkedIn idea, what specific areas can you guys teach someone to be more successful on LinkedIn? How do you actually get someone to, obviously, you've got a step-by-step process and I, I don't mm. expect you to divulge it all here, but the idea of growing your brand and attracting new clients, I mean, is it just about you know, posting more meaningful blogs that you care about the content? Is it about fantastic connections with other people who can buoy you up? I mean, what's some of the kind of key avenues that you help people become more successful on LinkedIn and become better influencers? Yeah, so I think it's definitely having a structured approach. So what we recommend uh, is, so people log on to our online program, there's this three-step methodology, they implement it to find Find, connect, and build relationships with the target market. Now, that that's running one-on-one leads. And then you run another campaign connecting with partners. And then you run the same camp- campaign connecting with journalists. Now, usually what happens within these campaigns is 100% of the people that connect with you are not ready at this point in time for what you have to say. So, you know, 10, 20% will be if you implement this um, properly. And so those 10, 20%... Open up those conversations, those meetings, whether it be phone, face-to-face, etc., and generate those leads. Now you've got the eighty percent who are not ready, so but they're in your network. So f- moving forward, that's where content comes in in terms of because um, on LinkedIn, if you use Sales Navigator, you can actually engage with people's content um, who are act- first of all not your connection, um, and then those who are connected to you, you don't actually need Sales Navigator, but our recommendation is you run this three-step methodology, you pick up the low-hanging fruit, the people who are ready, those who are not, you have a content plan every week where you share status updates through videos, text posts, um, write two blogs or one blog a month, um, and then that puts your content in front of the people that have connected with you who are your target market and at some point they're going to be ready and I can guarantee you they're going to be more likely to go with you, someone who they've um, read their, your posts, um, you know, engage with your video rather than someone that they've never heard who's just sent them connection invitation to connect. And, you know, um, over the past, what is it now, four months, I've been really testing the text posts and the videos and, um and it's funny because the some of the members that have come into the influencers program because we always ask get feedback on why they join 
they some of them have never liked or commented on my post, but they've viewed it. So just because you're not getting as much engagement to begin with doesn't mean that your target market aren't watching or reading your posts. And so the last thing around this is obviously patience. Now, if you've never uploaded content, if you haven't been consistent in that approach, what most people do is they put up two, three pieces of content. First of all, they don't really have a strategy on how to write good content, um, which is what we teach. But first of all, you need to get, if you're not good at content, get someone to write it for you and hire someone. Totally agree on that. And you can do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you can do it through Upwork. Like it doesn't cost thousands of dollars. You can actually find some good good people online. Um, And then just got to be patient. Like you've never done it. You you put up two, three posts, you don't get as much engagement to begin with. It does take a couple of months for people to see that you're regularly posting. Um, and so people just give up and they go, oh, LinkedIn doesn't work or Facebook doesn't work. Whereas in fact, you actually haven't um, stuck around long enough to make it work. Absolutely. So longevity is part of it. And I think you're right. We live in an instant gratification world. And so that idea that, you know, you're going to get a million likes on your first post or you've got some quirky hashtag and that's going to catch on if that's, you know, if you're working in the Twitter space. Having been in comms for a long time, I do know it's more like a marathon than a sprint. And I think because social media is instant, unlike the traditional media where you kind of pitch stories and then they come out, Mm. you know, a day or two or a week, month later, people have kind of got this idea in their head that success happens quickly online and therefore it's easy. Yeah. So there's that kind of disconnect. That, And then they're like, why am I making sales? I mean, I know a lot of people who I've done social media analysis with and they might have a million followers, but their businesses are not making a cent. They haven't sold a thing in their online store and you can barely believe it because that's not how it looks. Mm. And they spend a lot of money on that, you know, smoke and mirror stuff. But I think there's there's got to be that link, obviously, between what they're doing online and, like you say, all that strategy and the back-end stuff which supports it. So I think that's really valuable advice. And obviously, you guys are doing it every day, so you know what works and, and what doesn't. It's an interesting segue into my next question, which is around what do people mostly get wrong on LinkedIn and how can we actually avoid this? Okay. So, biggest mis- so a couple of big mistakes. One is uh, I've got a rule in life that if I haven't used in the last six months and I'm not going to use in the next six months, whether that be clothes and account, um, like a social media account, I just, I throw stuff out and I delete accounts. Um, so I would recommend if you haven't used it in the next six months and you're not going to use your account in the next six months, delete your account, LinkedIn, hopefully you're not listening to this podcast. Um, but you know, that you actually do more harm than good because you know, we spend thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours on our website to make sure it's up to date and all that sort of stuff. And then we spent zero time on our LinkedIn profile. And what's now happening online, Amber, is um, people, when they search for you, your LinkedIn profile comes up first. So if your first impression is something that's outdated, that doesn't connect with them, then, you know, you're, you're probably going to have, you're not going to have a lasting impression on them. And they're less likely to go and then search for your website, whereas someone who does have a good profile, they've they've got more of a chance. So, think biggest mistake is if you're not going to use it, delete it. Second of all, um, you got to be patient, uh, and you know we've talked about that already. Uh, and then 
What are some other me- uh, mistakes that people make? Is it about um, just, you know, some people like I've, I've experienced this as a receiver of information on LinkedIn where people just connect with me randomly and hope that that's going to having, you know, 5,000 <laughs> connectors in, in industries that mean nothing. They're not even my low hanging fruit. They're not even my high hanging fruit, if you like. I, and then and yeah. then instantly they, they send you a message. We've all experienced it. Oh, Two minutes later after you've accepted their invitation going, would you like my free software trial? Or, Absolutely not. And I just, I instantly disconnect with them. So I'm thinking mm. there's something in that too, that that, why do people think that's going to work? I don't know. It's so scattergun. It's so off-putting. It's almost, you know, it's almost like that traditional door-to-door salesperson who keeps knocking on your door. And yeah. you just have to hide or, you know, pretend you're out or something. So, yeah, I think there's, it's, you know, there's got to be some rule around that, that people, I don't know if they get any success with that, but I don't think I've ever connected meaningfully with someone who's done that to me. Yeah, no, it's, 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 we're creatures of habit. So, people think if I, you know, it's a numbers game. I connect with enough people, I send this message to, you know, we'll get a few bites and, Maybe that would have worked seven years ago, eight years ago on the phone. Uh, definitely does not work on social media and it actually ruins your brand. So there's definitely an art to finding, connecting, engaging with people online. There's definitely a process behind it. And, you know, biggest mistake people make is they don't see, like the whole world is, if you're not across social media by now, you're definitely behind. If you are not good in front of the camera, and you don't start exercising this skill, uh, I can guarantee, like literally guarantee you that you will not exist in two years time because Facebook um, has, you know, said that by uh, 2020, 95% of the content is video. And I reckon by now it's like 60, 70% already. Um, LinkedIn uh, have already introduced video and um, Cisco just came out and said that 80% of content by 2018, that's next year is going to be video. So the biggest mistake people make, um, the, the last mistake is they just don't um, keep up to date with what is trending and what is happening moving forward. And that's video. And that's, you know, a new way of connecting, engaging with people beyond, you know, networking functions and cold calling and telemarketing campaigns. Like I've never actually um, replied to an ad that I've seen in a newspaper ever. Uh, so you just got to know that things have changed and adapt. And that's the biggest uh, mistake people make. They just don't adapt to the new changes. Absolutely. So what are your big goals for next year? I mean, we're almost in 2018. Yeah. What would, what would uh, be your biggest sort of next stage? I mean, you've just mentioned video. I mean, is that something that you're going to encourage more people to do? You're going to focus on that? What What's something little that you can share with us that is going to be the game changer for you for 2018? Uh, definitely video. Uh, I think for I'm 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 testing that as we speak to figure out what you know how long should it be what what should you say in the text uh, when you upload and what type of video like video is the game moving forward. So I'm constantly and that's why we um, launched the Ask Linkfluencer show, which is uh, different to everyone else in our industry. Uh, I'm constantly testing different uh, variations of what to do with video. So that's the big thing uh, for me personally in terms of uh, LinkedIn and uh, how we're going to be leveraging it. And I think uh, it's just more of doing that as well as just running the campaigns that we preach to other people. And the biggest thing 
I would say around this, um, and this might be a little bit of a tangent, but um, hopefully it's of value. It's Right now, we're moving into a world where people buy into practitioners that don't buy into educators. So if you're not a practitioner in your industry, you need to become one. So if you're telling me, if you're a digital marketing firm and you're telling me to um, do X, Y, Z, you better have X, Y, Z in place. And I guarantee you 90% of digital marketers um, don't have the same systems they're telling you to implement within theirs. And it's like us, Amber, telling you LinkedIn is really powerful. And then you look at my profile and you see that I've got you know, 250 connections, um, I'm not getting any engagement and, you know, we, we, we don't have staff and, you know, I'm a one-man band, um, you know, that's not very transparent or congruent. So, that's probably the biggest, you know, tip that I can give someone. Get with the times and that's video, content um, and social media and then obviously be a practitioner and, yeah. Practice what you yeah. preach. My final two questions are yep. things I ask all of my podcast guests. The first one is, do you have any special mentors or inspirational pe- people that you can draw strength from? And if so, and they don't have to be famous, well-known people, they could be in your circle and you don't even have to name them. But if you could sort of identify who they are and sort of their, who they, you know, what their industry is, what have they taught you about success, business and life? Even if there's one or two. Uh, so the mentor that, yeah, um, the mentor that, uh, changed my life uh, was the one that um, mentored me at the back end of the fourth business failure and changed everything around. So um, he's into property investing, came to Australia with less than $500 to his name, uh, inspirational guy, uh, you know, built his success from bottom up. Uh, what I get from him is the biggest thing that I learned from him is this care factor. You know, he said to me one day, and he, it's it's funny because he said, oh, you know, the purpose of our meetings when we meet isn't for you to walk away feeling warm and fuzzy. It's for you to walk away with, you know, sometimes you'll be depressed, other times you'll hate me. And that's really my goal is to give drill down on the things you need to improve. And he was just a really genuine guy, loved people. Um, and I think that's where my love of people came from when I saw just how much he wanted people to, you know, sometimes because he's into property, uh, the property industry, he said, I, I don't sell property, I sell dreams and I make dreams happen. People come to me because they're buying their first property and I want to make sure that that's the best experience possible and that's going to fulfill what their goals are in terms of where they want their family to be and so on. So that's the biggest thing I've learned from him and there's been other mentors um, beside him but that's there was one thing I'd, I'd learned from him. It was just care about people and the best way to become wealthy is to create something that's meaningful that's going to touch and improve other people's lives and that's that was really the the, the that's heart great of it advice all. and something we can all take on board i think the last question is around do you have top three tips for anyone as we wrap up the show who wants to get better at linkedin what would they be i reckon video is going to be in there but i won't second guess you alex do you have top three <laughs> tips of what people need to do today to get better at LinkedIn and make sure that there are influencers in their industry and their and their career. Yes, uh, I get this question asked a lot, and I hope I don't come across arrogant or self promotional when I say this. But um, whether it's us, uh, and I think we're the best in the world, uh, or whether it's someone else, don't try to figure this stuff out on your own. It's like me; if I wanted to become healthy, I would go t- and 
you know, speak to someone who is either a personal trainer and so on. So um, definitely leverage and learn from others who have succeeded in the past and then, because that's just going to definitely impl- um, improve your the quality of work you put out on LinkedIn, the success you have, etc. So find an expert, learn from them, run campaigns, first and foremost. Second tip is get good in front of the camera. The first time I stood up on stage, my shirt, and luckily I was wearing a jacket over it, my shirt, the back of my shirt was wet. Um, you know, I was so nervous, but you know, now I can get up on stage and present in front of two people or 2,000 people. So um, you need to get in front of people and the camera because that's, you know, especially the camera, that's where the whole world is heading. And I guarantee you do that alone and be able to create a distribution around that, you'll be far more successful than others in your industry because most people are frightened of the camera and they just won't put in the work to get good at this skill set. And then the third um, tip is execution. You can listen to this podcast and go to all these events and do all these online programs, but at the end of the day, 98% of people, probably more, just don't execute. They learn all this stuff. They don't do anything about it. And I actually think, you know, I got to a point, Amber, where I was going, I was a seminar junkie. I was learning more than I was implementing. And it's actually a little bit depressing because you don't feel like you're making progress. So uh, they're my top three tips. Execute, get good in front of the camera, uh, and then learn from an expert. That's great advice. Well, it's been a pleasure to chat to you today, Alex. If you do want to connect further with Alex Peruz and his group at linkfluencer.com. You can jump on our show notes and there's some details there. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespoke comms that's b-e-s-p-o-k-e-c-o-m-m-s.com.au and we'll be sure to get back to you until next time